0: You're about to listen to the ICGC Worldwide Podcast. Our mission is to raise global leaders, shape vision, and influence society with the principles of Christ. For more information or empowering content, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ICGC Worldwide. And now, for today's message. I just came with a word of encouragement to lift you up and to let you know that God is not through with you and that although the struggle may be severe, God is not through with you. My message is simply titled, it's not over. It's not over. You may come through mighty thunderstorms, but God is not through with you. And, uh, I trust that uh, if you are in the midst of any battle or any struggle where you are thinking of giving up and you think that you've lost, the enemy has won, Satan has won, discouragement has won over your life, God is here to let you know that it's not over with you and this is not the end of your story. There is a new chapter of your life about to open. There is a new page about to open. Your story will be retold. A new song will be sung over your life. Somebody say, it's not over for me. And so we're going to track an encounter that Jesus had with a man in the Bible called Jairus. Jairus. Interestingly, the Americans uh, sometimes pronounce the name Jairus. I don't know where they get that from, but it's Jairus. And in that counter encounter, we'll learn that even when the facts are against you, God's grace can still turn the situation around. And so we're going to read from the gospel according to St. Mark, Mark chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 21 to 24. And then we will jump to verses 35 to 43. Mark chapter 5. 21 to 24 and then 35 to 43. And we read these words. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him, And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Then we jump to verse 35 of Mark's gospel, chapter 5, to see how the story progresses. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further as soon as Jesus had the word that was spoken he said to the ruler of the synagogue do not be afraid only believe and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter James and John the brother of James then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult And those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement, but he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given her to eat. Amen. Amen. It's a story that I'm sure you've read in the Bible, one of the miracles of Jesus. And in Mark chapter 5, it's a whole series of Jesus' miracles and encounters with people. And somewhere in this movement of Jesus, the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, comes to Jesus and tells Jesus about a condition in his home. His daughter is sick. And Jesus moves with Jairus to go and pray for Jairus' daughter. But in between, between verses 24 and verse 35, Jesus is slowed down because if you read the account, it will tell you that there is a huge crowd around him. And the crowd is pressing in on him so he can't move quickly. He slowed down. And whilst he slowed down, uh, something happens. A woman with an issue of blood also hears about Jesus. And this woman uh, presses through the crowd, for she said if she would touch the hem of Jesus' garment, she would be made well. And so this woman comes through the crowd and touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and she is healed. Jesus stops, and Jesus inquires about who touched him, And eventually gets to know that this woman was the one who touched him. Jesus affirms her healing. And that is the end of the story of this woman. But all the process from the crowd stopping him and this woman coming to touch him. And Jesus standing has slowed down his advance to the house of Jairus. So people now come to Jairus and tell him it's over. girl is dead leave the master alone leave the teacher alone just don't bother don't talk to God about it this is the end of the story and Jesus tells Jairus it's not over why don't you tell somebody next to you it's not over and tell yourself it's not over for me I don't know what you've heard this week or what you hear next week but I'm here to tell you it's not over in this story Jesus dealt with six different individuals and groups and I want you to take a look at the three six different individuals and groups that Jesus dealt with the first person we know that Jesus dealt with is the man Jairus Jairus comes to Jesus because he wants help for her daughter for his daughter Jairus represents any one of us who have a burden to see God at work in someone's life Jairus is a parent desiring God to touch his child Jairus also represents maybe a brother or a sister seeking God for their sibling Jairus Represents a child praying for their parent. Jairus represents a friend who is interceding for another friend. Jairus represents anyone who is seeking for a miracle for somebody. And I believe this morning there are many Jairuses here. Some of you are praying for your spouses. Some of you are praying for your brothers and sisters. Some of you are praying for your friends. Some of you are praying for your children. Some of you are praying for your parents or an uncle or an auntie Jairus is looking for a miracle for somebody and this morning there are many people who are saying Lord touch somebody for me that's the first person the second group of individual is the child Jairus's daughter the child is in need of a miracle to make her live The child needs a touch of God. It is likely that she was praying for herself and hoping that she will be made better. It could also be possible that she was not in a state to pray for herself because maybe the sickness was so severe that she was unconscious. But that child represents a person in need of prayer prayer, or a person in need of a miracle. And I believe that there are many people in this church this morning who are like that child. You don't need a miracle for somebody else. You need it for yourself. The third group, this is a group that Jesus dealt with, apart from Jairus and Jairus' daughter, are the neighbors of Jairus. They came and reported the facts to Jesus. The neighbors represent those who tell us the facts as they are. When things are not going on well, they say it as it is. They tell you when you are down that you are down. They tell you when life is impossible that it's impossible. They tell you when the door is shut that the door is shut. They are the reporters of facts. The problem with the neighbors is that they don't factor God in the equation. They only tell you how things are, but they don't tell you what God is going to do. And each one of us has those neighbors in our lives somebody who has told you, it's over. The neighbors are the ones who went to tell Jairus, it's over. And I don't know if a neighbor told you last week, it's over. Or last month, somebody told you it's over. Or this week, somebody's going to tell you it's over. This is the end of the road. This is the end of the story. But there is someone who can counteract the word of your neighbor. And his name is Jesus. And this morning, he's here in this house to tell you that it's not over. The neighbors just tell you the facts. And it's good to have people to tell you the facts but their facts are not the absolute truth because there is a greater truth beyond the facts of life. The fourth group are the mourners. The mourners were those who had gathered in Jairus' house and they were mourning. They had given up on the situation. They made noise with their weeping. They ridiculed Jesus Mourners have no place for hope in their vocabulary They have no word of encouragement They are not expecting for the situation to change They accept where you are as your final place They are mourning for you because they believe that your situation will not change But I believe some mourners will be disappointed in your life Because what they are crying over, they will live to laugh over. (laughs) Then there is the multitudes. The multitudes. The multitudes are the people who started following Jesus. They followed Jesus in the whole of Mark chapter 5. They followed him uh, when the woman with the issue of blood is healed. But when they are getting to Jairus' home, Jesus leaves them behind. There are some people who will follow you part of the way, but cannot follow you all the way. And there is a time in your life when you have to turn to the multitudes in your life and tell them, that's far you can go because God has sent me on a journey and you cannot handle what is about to happen. Jesus told the multitudes, stay behind. You're not going further. And the last group that Jesus dealt with were his disciples, Peter James and John and they followed Jesus closely there will always be people that God surrounds you with who will help you to see what he has for you the disciples followed Jesus closely and they went with him to where Jairus's daughter is and each one of us needs people who can stick close with us As the multitudes leave, there will be a Peter, there will be a James, there will be a John who must stay with you and stand with you and pray with you and encourage you and join their faith in agreement with you for there to be a manifestation of God's grace in your life. Before we look at the story a bit further, I want to talk about the three main thoughts that you will get Uh, From this passage, three main ideas that you get from this passage. The first main idea you get from the passage is that you don't give up when God is still working on your case. You don't give up when God is still working on your case. Delay is not denial. When God has not stopped, you don't stop believing. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is not just a beginner. He is also a finisher. And if he begins a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That means until Jesus comes again, God is not giving up on you. God winds up his work in your life At the second coming of Christ, until that day comes, God is not through with you yet. And he who has begun a good work in you is not finished with you. Whatever God begins in your life, he is able to complete. Don't give up when God hasn't given up on you. Second important thought is that God does not forget you when he blesses others. God does not forget you when he blesses others. Between the time Jairus told Jesus about his need and the time the need was met, Jesus met the need of the woman with the issue of blood. Jairus' request was earlier, but someone else got their miracle earlier. Sometimes you start praying about something for so long and somebody who just started praying about it Receives an answer. Jairus is the one who brings the first request. Logically, he should receive his miracle first. But before he receives his, somebody else receives his. And the fact that somebody has received your blessing first does not mean that God has forgotten about you. Jesus still knew he was going to Jairus' house. Although there was a woman with an issue of blood that needed to be blessed. And many times, you know, uh, we, we see people testify and we wonder, has God forgotten about us? Has God forgotten about me? I prayed about this five years ago. Has God forgotten? And you hear all kinds of people sharing testimonies of what God has done. And you hear about God's hand in people's lives. And you see other people doing well. And you see things working well for other people. You wonder, has God forgotten about me? He hasn't forgotten about you. He may heal a woman with an issue of blood. He may stop to attend to somebody. But he's still coming to your house. I said he's still coming to your house. Very interestingly, the woman with the issue of blood had had her problem for 12 years. 12 years. And she was healed. And Jairus's daughter was also 12 years. It means that Jairus's daughter was born in the year that the woman started having her problem. And God is telling Jairus, if I can heal a 12-year-old problem, I can still raise a 12 year old child. (laughs) Both of them have suffered for that long, but God was still on the throne. Third important lesson we learned from this passage is that between the time of your prayer and the answer, your faith will be tested. Faith is always tested, faith is tested with time. Faith is tested with temptation. Faith is tested with persecution. You will be mocked. You will be bypassed. But when your faith is tempted, remember the faithful is he who has promised, who also would do it. So you don't give up when God has not given up on you. So Jesus is on his way to deal with this problem presented by Jairus. And the neighbors come around and say, your daughter is dead. No beating about a bush. Your daughter is dead. This is the end of the story. Leave the master alone. Stop praying about it. There is no hope. It's gone. And normally when you hear such a word, you feel like it's gone. When people tell you it's over, you believe it's over. When your doctor says it's over, you believe your doctor. When your boss says it's over, it's over. When they tell you there is no hope, you somehow believe there is no hope. But I want us to look at seven things Jesus did. On that day that I believe will help us, when we hear there is no hope, we would know how to deal with it. The first thing Jesus did is that he immediately responded to their unbelief. He immediately, the moment the the, the master, uh, Jairus was told, don't bother the master. The daughter is dead. Leave the master alone jesus the bible says as soon as jesus heard the word that was spoken he said to the ruler of the synagogue do not be afraid only believe as soon as jesus heard the word as soon as he heard it you you have you have a, a feeling that jesus was very quick to cancel that word very quick as soon as he was told your daughter is dead Leave the master alone immediately. Jesus says, don't be afraid, only believe. Because if you allow the word of unbelief to hang in the atmosphere, it will cripple you for the rest of your journey. Jesus had to confront that word. And he had to deal with it immediately. He said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't ever allow the voice of unbelief to be the predominant voice in your ears and in your spirit. Don't allow a voice of defeat to continue ringing in your ears even after you've heard it. Don't allow the voice of impossibility to continue to dominate your thoughts in your sleep and in your mind and in your dreams. Jesus immediately he heard that says no and there are times that somebody speaks to you and you must cancel that word you go to the doctor and the doctor says we have examined your case this is your problem that's fine but then they give an opinion there is no hope that's their opinion It's all right to give me what the x-ray says, but it's not all right for you to tell me how it's going to end because you are not God. And when your doctor tells you that, you have to be bold and cancel it and say, I am not afraid, I shall not die, but I shall live to declare the glory of God. Jesus immediately canceled that word. Because many times we allow unbelief to live for too long in our minds. We allow it too much space, too much room, and it cripples us and daily it rings in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts, and we begin to think, this is it, it's over. It's not over. I said, it's not over. I said, it's not over. I said, it is not over. It is not over for you it is not over for your daughter, it is not over for your child, it is not over for your mother, it is not over for your sister, it is not over for your business, it is not over for your finances, it is not over. You have to cancel that word, you have to cancel it because it's not over. That's the opinion of man. It's not opinion of God, it's not God's word. It's somebody's calculation of the situation, but their calculation does not factor in the unknown factor that there is a God in heaven who rules in the affairs of men. And those who trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, and they shall not be moved. You will not be moved. Jesus confronted the situation. The second thing That Jesus did is that Jesus pulled away from the crowd. Verse 37 says, He permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John. Know the limits of those around you. Jesus was a crowd puller, but he was not a crowd believer. Jesus was surrounded by crowds, but he never committed to them because the crowd is always fickle. One moment they are for you, the next moment when the circumstances change, they are going to change their opinion. Their views shift very easily. When Jesus gave the crowd bread and fish, they said, Hail the King of the Jews. Then when he told them, Eat my flesh and drink my blood. They said, we can't follow this man any longer. A few minutes ago, they wanted to make him king. Next time they can't follow him, the crowd will disappoint you. If you want people to, to follow you all the time, they will disappoint you. People will let you down. People you have trusted in. People who have said, I will go with you. I will die where you die even when you are not dead, will turn their backs on you. Jesus pulled away from the crowd. There are journeys in your life that you can't go with everybody. There are places in your life God wants to take you that you can't carry everybody along. Because some people, if they are on your team, they would needle you so much with fear and panic that you can't live your life. Every day they will bring you a panicky story. Every day they will bring you another story to depress you. Every day they will tell you something to bring you down. Every day they will discourage you, and they're going to surround you with fear. There are people whose words will surround you with fear. Always tell you about witches fighting, fighting against you. And they went to a prophet, and the prophet said there are some people fighting. And they went to another prophet, and this person said, and this person said that every day of your life is a life of fear. I don't see how God delights in torturing and tormenting his children. That is not the God of the Bible. He's a God of faith, not a God of fear. If God is going to speak to me, he's not going to tell me about how many witches are surrounding me. He's going to tell me about how many hosts of angels are surrounding me. That is the word of the Lord. Jesus is going to do something remarkable and he realized these people... Can't follow me. And he had to separate himself from them. Third thing that Jesus did. Is that Jesus maintained a good confession. Jesus maintained a good confession. The Bible says in verse 39. When he came in he said to them. Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but asleep. The words you speak in the face of challenging circumstances are critical. Jesus chose his words carefully. He said the child is not dead, but sleeping. He understood the power of words. He understood that the way he described a problem would determine his attitude to it. If you describe a problem and say, this is my end, it will be your end. If you describe a problem and say, this will kill me, like the way sometimes, um, you know, parents talk about your children. Hey, you, are you will kill me. Now, you may think it's fun, but the way you describe a problem determines how it will impact you it will determine how it will impact you, Jesus understood the facts of life that the child was dead but he described it with hope because he needed to see beyond what had happened in physical reality the child is not dead but asleep in the face of fear We must still speak the word of faith. You can call a problem hard, but never call it hopeless. This is how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. Very popular verse. We know he says, we are hard pressed on every side. That's the fact. Yet not crushed. That is the truth. We are perplexed. It's a fact. But not in despair. That is the truth. Persecuted. Yes, that's the fact. But not forsaking. That is the truth. Struck down. That's the fact. But not destroyed. That is the truth. He acknowledges the physical reality, but declares the spiritual truth. This is the physical reality, but this is the truth. This is the physical reality, but this is the truth. Yes, am I struck down? Yes, but I am not destroyed. I am, am I perplexed? Yes. But this is not the end of my life. Jesus understood how to distinguish between the natural fact and the spiritual truth. Sometimes we think the natural fact is a spiritual truth. The natural fact is just a natural fact. Your body is just your body talking to you. That book you read is just a book. That declaration from your office from your boss, just the word of man, it's not the word of God. The fourth thing Jesus did is that he put out the mockers. The mockers. The Bible says in verse 40, they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all outside, you have to learn to protect your heart from the voice of mockery and disappointment and discouragement. Do you know every great thing you want to do will be surrounded by mockery? If you say, if for example, you you, you, you live in somebody's boys' quarters or you live in a veranda, you don't have a home and, and, and you, you're literally homeless and you tell your friends, One day, I'm going to live in a mansion. What do you think they're going to do? They will laugh at you. If you are broke, and you say, one day, I'll be rich. What do you think your friends are going to do? You think they'll say, oh, yeah, 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 it will be. No, they will laugh at you. If you are down, and you say, one day, I'll rise, and I'll do great things, they're going to say, what a joker you are because life is full of mockers in a sense all of us are mockers we've all mocked people who have disappointed our mockery we've all looked at people we thought could not achieve something who have achieved it we've all told people it's not possible and it's impossible And there are many people who have told us things that was impossible, which have become possible because life is full of mockers. People who will laugh at your audacity. They will laugh at your hope. They will laugh at your boldness. And you have to learn to put away the mockers. Jesus came with audacity and said, this child is not dead. She's asleep. And you would expect that the people who are mourning will say, oh, is that true? Oh, is that true? No. They are mourning. They want to maintain the mourning. You think people who are mourning, they will be happy when their dead body rises up? It changes the party. It changes everything. Is just... Just lie down, down. We will cry for you. Just down. Don't get up. So Jesus says he's going to get up. They said, no, we don't want him to get up. We want her to continue dying so we'll continue mourning. That's our job. Don't throw us out of business. That's our job. In the days of Jesus, that's true because these people are professional mourners. I hear that it's somewhere in Ghana too. Professional mourners. If the person rises up, what are they going to do? They lose their salary. Because there are many people that you're lifting up will make them lose their salary. Your blessing will take their joy from them. Your blessing will disappoint them. And they don't want you to be blessed. You need to be down. You need to be broke so you can always borrow from them. Move the mockers away. Number five. Jesus confronted the situation. Jesus confronted the situation. He took the father and mother of the child and those who were with him, and entered where the child was lying. I like that. He entered where the child was lying. Faith does not beat around the bush. Faith faces the facts. Faith goes where the problem is. When we are talking in faith, we are not avoiding the facts. Jesus dealt with it. He went where the problem is. He confronted The situation. The sixth thing Jesus did. Is that Jesus spoke boldly in faith. The Bible says he took the child by the hand. And said to her. "Talita, kumi. Which is translated little girl I say to you arise. The voice of faith is a voice of boldness. Faith is not timid. Jesus did not pray, if it be your will, O Lord. Jesus commanded life out of death. He called the things which be not as though they were. Jesus himself told us, we should speak to mountains to move. And today you can speak to your own talita and command it to arise. And in the name of Jesus, I command anything precious to you. That is dead to arise I command life to you I command joy to you I command peace to you I command strength to you I command wisdom opportunity mercies favor new levels whatever is down is rising up in your life again if you lost your job you are coming back if you lost your business you are coming back you lost your investment you are coming back when life kicks you down, you are coming back. Your friends are mocking you, you are coming back. Talita Kumi, arise, daughter, arise, son. And this, this morning is a morning for rising up, it's a morning for lifting up. Jesus says it's not over. And he speaks to that girl to arise. And the girl arose. The mourners were disappointed. The mockers were disappointed. But Jairus was excited. And the disciples were amazed. May God disappoint your mourners. May God disappoint your mockers may those who have already signed your death warrant be disappointed may those who have planned and chilled their champagne to pop in celebration of your defeat be disappointed it shall not be evil with you you will not go down you will not go down You will not be buried. Jesus is here and he brings resurrection. And the seventh and final thing that Jesus did is that Jesus helped them to maintain the miracle. He commanded them strictly that no one should know it. And Jesus said, Something should be given her to eat Something should be given her to eat She has come up But if she is not sustained She will go down again So something should be given her to eat Whatever God raises up in your life He will give you the wisdom to sustain So that it will not go down again Because he will give you what it takes to sustain it. If he gives you health, you will sustain your health. If he gives you favor, you will sustain the favor. He will give you a turnaround, you will sustain the turnaround. Give her something to eat. I came here this morning with hope in my heart. And with faith in my spirit. I came because I have a word that I believe God has put in my heart to tell you. And that word is that it's not over. And the mockers will not win. And the mourners will not win. And those who have planned to celebrate your defeat will not live to celebrate it. God will give you the victory. God will fight for you. God will war for you. God will lift you up. God will sustain you He will grant you favor He will open the door that has been shut He will lift you from the valley He will make you laugh once more He will put joy in your heart once more He will make you smile once again He will make you dance once again He will put laughter in your mouth God will visit you God will remember you He is working on other people But He is coming to your home He has not forgotten about you and he will visit you. He will come to your house, Jairus, and your daughter shall live. I said your daughter shall live. Your son shall live. Jesus will come to your home and your miracle will happen. Your favor will be received. Your turnaround will happen. Jesus will come to your home. He will not stop in the middle of the road. He will come to your home. He will enter your home. He will visit your home. And your daughter shall live again. And your miracles shall be restored. That which was broken shall be restored. The broken walls shall be rebuilt. Favor will come to you. May the Lord God Jehovah. Your God and my God. Your shield and my shield. Your rock and my rock. The God whom we serve. Whom we call on. May He visit your home, may He come your way, and may He lift you up, may He turn your situation around, may He cause that which is dead to rise again, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to ICGC Worldwide Podcast. For more information or content about our church, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ICGC Worldwide.